Though it's often said, when standing here, we genuinely mean it. We are so grateful to each and every one of you, dear family, friends, and neighbors, who have come to be here with us today as we join Amos and Devorah in the sacred bonds of marriage. I performed several weddings before, but it somehow feels different when it's your own child. All weddings are special and significant in their own way, but when it's your own family, the lump in your throat seems to be more of a grapefruit than a grape. <laughs> Amos and Devorah, you've both grown up here your entire lives in this wonderful, beloved community of ours. Devorah, your parents have been here for well over 40 years. Amos, your mom and I were married here, and I grew up here. My parents, your grandparents, have been an integral part of this community since the beginning, and they just celebrated 50 years of marriage just yesterday. What a legacy and a heritage you both have. As I pondered my words for your wedding, Amos, I began to think about your mother's and my marriage. Now I'm not here to posit mom and me as the ultimate example of husband and wife or mother and father. You can look around you and see more worthy examples like your grandparents or Brother Blair and Sister Regina. Still, I can wholeheartedly say that we've had the most beautiful almost 27 years of marriage I could have ever imagined. I sincerely hope that you too can have as fulfilling and joyous a marriage as we have had. I think I'll chalk most of that up to your wonderful, loving mom. But from our experience, I want to share with you a piece of what I believe will affect the success of your marriage. I want your relationship not only to endure, but to thrive and to grow in love, joy, and fulfillment. To start, we should ask, are enduring relationships that continue to grow stronger through the years the pattern or an exception around us? The past decades have produced a steady flow of alarming statistics showing widespread relational decline, especially among marriages. Should these sad facts surprise us, or is this decline the default universal direction of our fallen world? More directly, is it enough that two people really love each other and even commit to one another? Will life's natural course generally strengthen their mutual feelings and take them soaring to ever higher peaks of fulfillment and joy without requiring much of the couple besides that they just really like one another? Most would rightly answer these questions in the negative. Indeed, it is a steady uphill climb to keep love growing in perpetuity. Almost everything around us is predisposed against enduring relationships of any sort, down to nature's universal laws and the very molecules that comprise and surround us. Jesus told us that because lawlessness will abound, the love of most will wax cold. We can consider lawlessness in this verse as rejecting forms of order conveyed through rules or laws. In part, Jesus is saying that as disorder in the world increases, love in the world decreases. In the great cosmic balance of things, he directly correlates the expansion of lawlessness with love's atrophy. This comparative statement could seem to be a non sequitur. What, we ask, is the equivalence between rejecting order, rule, and law on the one hand and love's chilling evaporation on the other? Let's briefly look at the second law of thermodynamics which deals with entropy, disorder, and decay. Now, I just want to let all physicists and HVAC techs in the room know 
This is no college course presentation. I'm greatly simplifying this for noodle heads. <laughs> now, now, you two do need to pay close attention because I'm going to have a written test at the reception that you'll have to pass before leaving for your honeymoon. So. <laughs> now, there really is no profound revelation in the specific mechanics of what I'm going to present here, but this little excursion into molecules and energy could impress us with how real this trend towards dissipation and cooling off is in what they call the real world. I've heard that a picture is worth a thousand words, so I'm going to take a thousand words to try to paint a picture for you here. Just kidding, it'll be 2,000. <laughs> Let's picture setting a freshly brewed pot of Uncle Josh's hot Kai tea out on the counter. It rapidly starts to lose its heat, eventually reaching what we call room temperature. But is this happening because the coolness of the surrounding room flowed into the cup, or vice versa? The second law states that heat always spontaneously flows from hot towards cold, not the other way around, unless an outside force makes it do otherwise. This process could be pictured by what's sometimes referred to as the billiard ball effect. We've all watched a fast-moving billiard ball collide with a stationary or a slower ball and witness the second ball start to move or move faster, while at the same time, the fast-moving ball starts slowing down when it when they do collide. Similarly, the trillions of molecules that make up the air all around us and the water in Uncle Josh's teapot are continuously vibrating and swirling around, bumping into one another like so many billiard balls. The warmer the air or water, the faster those molecules are moving, and the cooler the air or water, the slower they are moving. As the fast molecules on the surface of the warm tea bump into the slower molecules of the cool air in the room around it, just like billiard balls, the fast ones start to lose some of their energy and slow down. A domino or ripple effect starts to spread throughout the pot of tea and the air in the room until all the molecules eventually reach a state of equilibrium. They all just kind of settle out and reach what we call room temperature. No longer are the fast-moving and slow-moving molecules separated and organized in an orderly fashion between the teapot and the room, but they have dissipated into randomness spread throughout the room. Kind of get that picture of what's happening there. This process is at the heart of the second law. Entropy or dissipation and disorder always increases. Just built into nature. The entire universe trends towards dissipation, moving from a more organized or ordered state to a less ordered state. Of course, this holds true not just for Uncle Josh's hot tea, but for absolutely all matter around us, air, plants, animals, our own bodies. In a sense, the natural course of all matter is to continually move towards the lowest common denominator as the lowest common denominator descends lower and lower. There is a way to arrest this inexorable march of entropy. Two things can be done. Either one will help, but both together is best. In the case of the picture of the tea that we're talking about, we can put a lid on the teapot and wrap it in an insulating cloth, which will dramatically slow the heat flow from the cup. Doing this makes it harder for those fast molecules in the teapot to interact with the slow ones in the room around it and lose their energy. Second, we can start a fire under the tea by capturing energy from somewhere else and basically injecting it into the tea to make up for the energy lost in its unavoidable interactions with the cool room around it. We have to gather fuel for this endeavor and ignite the fuel to start a fire. As we continue to fan the flames of this fire, the molecules that we're wanting to slow down, to cool off, are re-energized. In spiritual terms, we could say they are inspired. 
or spurred on to love and good works. When God first created the world, he started by creating light or energy. Then he immediately spent the first three days organizing and arranging. He first separates darkness from light, the sky from the earth, the oceans from the dry land. Only then did he plant life on the earth. In Eden, there was no entropy, no deterioration or dissipation. Everything was in perfect balance, so mankind didn't have to work to keep everything in order. The lush garden grew without any help. A mist came up out of the ground and watered everything. There were no thorns to choke, no blight to wither leaves. But man soon ruptured this perfectly balanced world with his decision to break a clearly given order from God. A fatal glitch was thrust into this finely tuned system and entropy leading to death entered the world. God then told Adam that no longer would the ground just yield its fruit on its own. No longer would this perfect dance continue perpetually without any help. No longer would everything default to harmony and beauty. Man would now have to vigorously work to uphold the beautiful order that God had initially built into the universe. We know the first and greatest commandment is Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This command starts by telling us about God's wholeness and oneness, his perfect harmony. And then it tells us how we can participate in that and help perpetuate it. Love with all your heart, soul, and strength. Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians that all the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told us that this commandment was like unto the first. The same, same commandment. So here we come full circle. By actively walking in love, we fulfill the law and we push back against entropy, the curse, and that waxing cold that came from man's rupture of God's beautiful order in the universe. As an interesting aside, when Jesus says that love will wax cold, the phrase wax cold or grow cold is one word in the original Greek. It's rooted in a word that suggests a gentle breath. And it can mean to cool off by evaporation, as when you blow on your food or tea to cool it off. As you blow on something to cool it off, you accelerate entropy as the agitation of the air around it encourages the liquid molecules on the surface to loosen their bonds to one another and turn into a gas. As the liquid molecules convert and float away, the energy loss causes what remains to cool more rapidly. I believe that we can all feel the winds of change around us accelerating love's cooling process in relationships across the world. This brings us to today. You now stand at the brink of forming a bond that will create a new substance out of the two of you. No longer just man and woman, but husband and wife, one unit. It's not enough to just love one another now. It's not enough to just say, I do, today. It's not enough to just hope you'll weather life storms and emerge mostly unscathed. You must work at it. You must spend the time when your clock doesn't allow. Hear each other when you think your mind is set. Stay up late when you ache for rest and bed. Rise early when sleep still lingers on. Reach deep to find that timely word of grace. Give when you think there's nothing left. Love when you feel you're all squeezed out. Clean up messes you didn't make. Fix things that you didn't break. Say and show, do 
and be whatever it takes day and night, year after year. But you know what else? You will laugh harder than your ribs can stand. You'll discover worlds you never knew. You'll taste of joys beyond your dreams. Climb mountains unclimbable alone and from there witness eternal views. Share a love that overflows your hearts, weather storms that tear some apart. Resist the winds that would cool your love. Watch love's candle grow higher and hotter as its flame lights the world around you. As this happens, you'll start to see the relationships around you begin to grow warmer, and this ripple effect can go on and on. The rule of peace and the law of love will reign supreme and love will never wax cold. Now, as alluded to earlier, this heat, this energy that will keep you going has to be fueled from somewhere outside of yourselves. Just as plants take in the sunshine and convert it through photosynthesis into oxygen and the chemical energy that supports all life on earth, so you also know how to go to the source of light, Jesus himself, to get what you need for the other. As you express this out of yourself to your spouse, it becomes literal life-giving sustenance for the other. The world's physical laws around us show how love can and will grow cold if left unattended. Unless we vigorously constrain our minds and actions, our heat will slowly dissipate into the air surrounding us. But as long as the author of love and life orders our lives, we stay contained inside the vessel he's provided for our safety and security. As long as we make the effort to keep those fires burning, our relationship will beat the odds and defeat the inexorable march of entropy. As the centuries-old Scottish song we sang earlier says, the water is wide, I can't cross over. Life's journey is certainly a wide river that we can't get over by ourselves. But the song goes on to say, give me a boat that can carry two, and both shall row, my love and I. Today, through your wedding vows, you're climbing into this boat. Hopefully, I've handed you a couple of oars. Now both shall row. And I believe if you keep rowing with all your might together, instead of just letting the current take you where it may, you'll make it across just fine. Bye. 
Shall roll my 